0: we worship this morning dear heavenly father thank you so much for this time that we get to gather in your presence and lift your name up high we love you so much jesus thank you for everything you've done provided this week for us and we look forward to seeing what you have in store for us god use us for your glory jesus we love you in your precious name we pray and all god's people said Amen. i yeah. you. worthy of every song we could ever sing worthy of
1: all the praise ¡No!
2: Announcements, real quick. Um, This tomorrow night, it's 6 p.m. is the men's fellowship night. We've been spending five weeks studying and getting prepared for tomorrow night. I am very excited for what God has for us. So, if if you are signed up to go, um, be prayed up. Amen. I'm excited for what God's given us, and uh, we're gonna have a great night together. We'll have some food, we'll have some worship, and we'll have some preaching, and then we'll have some prayer. Can we throw prayer in there? Is that okay, guys? Yeah, because that's what proves we're men of God, right? Oh, yes. By our prayer lives. So uh, with that, tickets are at the information desk if you haven't bought one. If you can't afford the ticket, just go sign up, and we'll figure out how to cover it, okay? I got pop bottles I can take back. I'm, I'm joking. But, but I just don't want you to not come because you can't afford it. Amen. So then I got to introduce my beautiful wife. Hi. <laughs>
3: Ladies, you are all invited to our women's night, which is this Friday, 6 o'clock, here at the church. I'm so excited about it. Please bring a friend, or friends, and bring an appetizer, which means a finger food, for those that don't know what that is. Someone last week said, what kind of finger food? And I said, those that you eat with your fingers.
2: (laughs) Donuts. Donuts are always good.
3: (laughs) So anyway, that was funny. Um... We're going to have a great time, we're going to have worship, teaching, we are going to have fellowship, we're going to have food, obviously, and some fun, but again, we'll have prayer as well. So please come, because I know the Lord has something for each one of us, ladies, each one of us, and so it's a night where we need to come together and gather. I'm so, so thankful that we get to come together and gather and hear from the Lord. So leave your kids at home. Let your spouse, somebody else, grandparent, whoever, watch your children. It's a night out for you women.
2: If you've got a good dog, just leave him with the dog. I didn't really say that. Let's, uh, let's stand real quick and we'll pray for the offering. Has God been good to you in 2023 financially? Yes. If he hasn't, let's pray about that, okay? Let's pray. Father. We know that all good things come from you. We know that everything that is provided for our families comes from you. It is not just the work of our hands. It's the work of our God. So, Father, there are some in this room, Lord God, that just might need some more. So I ask, Lord God, that you would open their hearts up to to hear your voice and receive a blessing from you. And then when they receive that blessing to honor you by making sure the world knows that their God answers their prayers, so provide for them in ways that they just can't imagine. You your word tells us that we you can do abundantly far more above that which we ask or think. So show them how amazing you are, God. We trust you. Bless those that faithfully support this ministry with their tithes and their offerings, and encourage one another in the things of God. We love you. We just pray that you are honored by our hearts in the cheerfulness of our giving. In Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 You can't be seated. We've got one more song to do. Amen. So Let's sing. seated y'all may be seated let's dismiss the kids at this time that's up to Julie morning new life we are starting a new series we are starting a new series um, I'm I can't remember what I called it in the in the PCO, the planning center online. But the title is kind of, uh, of the series is The End Is Here. So I just want to encourage you. (laughs) Just feel like it's time to kind of clarify some things about what's coming in our world, in our lives. Are we okay with that? The goal is not to scare you, it's to inform you so that you can live life according to what's coming, not what's you think is coming. So what's what's gonna happen? I do believe that I'm blessed to pastor at the most amazing point in history. I get to share Jesus at a time and what is promised and prophesied is here. What is promised and been prophesied is here. It's happening right now. And I get to pastor at this time. I'm pumped but it's also a frustrating point in history because we're seeing the people of God not drawing closer to him, but actually distancing themselves a little bit. So that's just a little piece of what we're going to get into, but we're going to pray first. Can we do that? So if you want to come up and pray with me, let's go ahead. I need to be on my knees today. Father, speaking on what we're going to speak about today to discuss the end times is not just another sermon to to fill people's hearts with information. And it's not just a sermon series to inspire them to greater heights. It's to help them understand what you promised is about to come to pass. And we are more than ever in history on the precipice of leaving this earth and being with you in the air forever. But Father, my concern is that we're not thinking that way. I know in my own self, even this week, as I'm thinking about what I'm bringing to the the church, I was thinking about things that don't matter. Stressing over things that won't matter in just the twinkling of an eye. Things that aren't important. And it forced me to stop and think about what is important. And this morning, Father, these souls that are here are important. Every one of them you gave your son's life for. You paid for their sins. You gave them the hope of heaven. All because you loved us. I also know that there were times this week that I didn't live as if you were coming back. That I had attitudes and actions that were sinful and selfish not surrendered like it should be. So today just at this moment in front of this congregation I want you to I want you to hear from me. I'm surrendering to you today. Everything I have and everything that I am belongs to you. Please help me today. Help me help them. We love you so take a moment and just tell Jesus how much you love him if you love him. It is in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 John chapter 14 and verse 1. Jesus is preparing to leave the earth, to be crucified, to leave the earth, to go to heaven. And the disciples are a little bit nervous about that. They don't know what's going on. They don't understand what's happening. So Jesus tells them, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. If it were not so, Jesus says, I would have told you. If that wasn't true, I would have said it was not true. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. He's telling the disciples who are getting ready to lose their Savior to death and then resurrection. And they're scared and they're nervous and they don't know what their future is going to hold. They don't know what life is going to be like without him. And he says, don't worry, I'm going to come again. That where I am, there ye may be also. That's my King James. James. Wouldn't it be encouraging to know that Jesus isn't going to leave us here, that he's going to come back for us. And that we get to be with him. That where he is, we get to be also. Acts chapter 1 says something really cool. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. He's writing this letter to Theophilus to teach him about Jesus. And he says, until the day that he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. That's John chapter 14, 15, and 16. And he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs and appeared to him during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with him, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So then when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And I like the King James, the uttermost parts of the earth. Yeah. And when, they had, when he had said these things, when Jesus said these things, they were looking on. He was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. That would be a weird day. <laughs> You're worried about him leaving and then you see him leave and he floats up into heaven in the cloud. And while they were gazing into heaven because you'd be just like dumbfounded, <laughs> I would think. Did we just see what we just Did you see what I saw? And as they were gazing into heaven, he went and behold, two men with stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, who do you stand looking into heaven? Or I'm sorry, I read that wrong. Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The same way he left is the same way he's coming back. As I said earlier, it's a frustrating point in history, though it's the greatest time I think that we could imagine living in, that Jesus is coming back. But it seems like there's a time that we're living in that the things of God are less important to people of God. Things like holiness and faithfulness seem to be lacking in our lives. It's as if people are living as if there's no end to time. We are less generous than ever before towards our friends and our neighbors and our loved ones in the church we are more selfish and self-centered than ever before. We live mostly for ourselves. I don't know if this is happening in the whole world, but I know it's happening in mine. And I've been wrestling with this fact for the last five years that God's people don't seem to be as interested in the future as they should be. And I've been asking God what to do and how should I respond and I've just been waiting for him to give me an answer. Have you ever prayed one of those prayers? God, I need to know. Would you hurry up? (laughs) And recently I feel like God gave me some understanding about what's different about Today. Versus what was different in the day of the early believers. There's something different about them versus us. It seems like modern believers worry less about the end time. Where the early believers had a healthy concern for it, they were concerned. Not freakishly stressed out about it, but they were concerned. Most modern believers get their salvation badge and their baptismal certificate and start out being passionate for Jesus, and then pretty soon they just kind of fall away. They're not as faithful, they're not as interested, they're not as excited as they were at one point in time. They're not concerned about the future because they've got their future locked in because Jesus paid for their sins and they called upon Him, and their sins are forgiven. So they know they're going to go to heaven when they die. So I can live on this earth any way that I want to. Amen. Am I the only one that used to say things like, I got mine? I must be the only one. Man, I'm messed up. You got a messed up pastor here. See, the early believers were constantly concerned about the end of the world. That was a theme that ran through their everyday lives. They weren't panicked about it, but they were concerned that at any moment in time, the end of the world would happen. And so they lived as if they knew the end was coming. They didn't live as if they had a tomorrow because they didn't know they have any promises for tomorrow. They only had the promise of the day. In Matthew chapter 24, which we're going to be a lot in in the next few weeks. So if you want to get prepped up, start with Matthew 24. The disciples asked Jesus three questions about the end of time because they were concerned about the end of time. They said, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming? And when will the end of time be? We, we, We all want that answer. And Jesus taught them that there would be many that would lead them astray. Like, it was going to be a difficult time. Many are going to start leading people astray. There would be wars and rumors of war, famines, earthquakes, pestilence. But this is not the end. Jesus says it's going to start really getting harsh in the earth. But it's not the end yet. Jesus spoke of persecution for believing in Jesus Christ. He spoke of a great falling away from the church, which we'll talk about in a minute. He spoke of multiple false prophets who would participate in leading people astray. And that happens all the time now. Jesus spoke of a time when people will ignore law, laws of God and real love will be cold. I listen to people all the time say, I love you, but it's really a cold love. It's 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 not a love that sacrifices a life for another. God, I feel so negative. I'm trying not to be. Jesus spoke of a time when the saved would require endurance, like It was going to be hard to be a Christian. It's not going to be as easy as just getting saved and then going your way. Like it's going to be hard to actually be faithful to following Jesus. He talked about the fact that the gospel of the kingdom would be proclaimed in the whole world. And then the end will come. Never before in history has it been as easy to spread the gospel to the farthest regions of the world because of cell phones and YouTube. Amen? I may talk about YouTube in the negative, but there's positive aspects of it. That's it, the gospel. He talks about at great length about tribulation and its terrors, and, and I, I, we're going to kind of talk about that in the next few weeks. He goes on in Matthew 24 to say that no one will know when The end is going to happen, which is frustrating to us because we want to know everything. We want to know the exact time so we can do what we want to do up until that time. And then we will get everything right at that last moment. I've had so many people as I've witnessed to them tell me I'll wait until right before I die to get saved. Good plan. (laughs) Hope that works out for you. But there's that belief. This great concern was not just with the disciples. It carried through the epistles. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 53. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1. Speak of a rapture that we're going to talk about a little bit today. And I'll talk about a lot of it next week. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. 2 Corinthians 5, 10. 1 Thessalonians 2, uh, 2 19 through 20. Speak of a judgment seat of Christ. where The things that we've done here for, the God, for Jesus will be rewarded in heaven. Yes, there's going to be a moment where all believers will be rewarded for what they've done on this earth. Some of you will have great rewards. Some of you will have teeny tiny ones. First, I'm sorry. Second, I got thrown off. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse three through 12 speaks of the Antichrist. The church at Thessalonica had a false teacher telling them they had missed the rapture and they were freaking out because they were going to have to go through the tribulation period. And Paul had to write a letter just to encourage them that they hadn't missed it. Somebody wrote a letter in Paul's name, sent it to the church. The church thought it was Paul, something different than what Paul taught and it freaked them out. because they were concerned about the end. This fear was magnified after John wrote the book of Revelation to describe the most horrific time in history. The book of Revelation is scary. And confusing. And when you just read it to read it, it's like you walk away going, it's all over. (laughs) But how does it work? There was not a day, from what I've read, that went by that they did not wonder if it was going to be their last. And it wasn't a sad, depressed, that world is going to end. It was a hope that they were going to be with Jesus. This was not an idle curiosity, but an informed concern about what their future held. When will the time be? I'm going to say what preachers have been saying for 2,000 years. It's here. And that's what we're going to spend the next few weeks studying. Every single event happening on the earth, the, the world stage today is pointing to the truth. That Jesus is coming back. And these prophecies of the end times that Jesus is coming back shouldn't cause us to fear. It should cause us hope, happiness, excitement that Jesus said he was going to come back. And now he's going to come back. And we get to be the ones that see him come back. The end is here. I don't got to wait to die. I believe with all my heart, the end is here. I don't have to wait to die. I don't got to worry about dying because it's not going to happen. I'm going to be with him. We'll talk about how that works out in a minute. I don't have to work for retirement. I don't need retirement. I got a mansion over a hilltop. With a Harley in the garage. (laughs) Amen. You guys, you wait, you wait. The Bible teaches that there's horses in heaven and I just want mine compact in a little motor that has about 1,800 horses. I'll take a white one, a black one. I don't care what color it is. Streets of gold. See, I don't have to wonder if the Bible prophecies are true. They're coming true in front of us. It is the end of time. I'm not going to try to create a panic as I believe a lot of preachers do when it talks about the when they talk about the end times. But I want to create a platform to teach you what the purpose is for the Christian in these last days. I don't want to panic you because that's not helpful. So I just want to, in this series, I, I, I'm not going to promote conspiracy theories because that happens a lot. When it comes to the end time stuff. As people are trying to identify this guy as this and this nation as that. And I don't care. And I'll tell you why. Because Jesus is coming back. I just want to provide some biblical theology to give you guys a foundation to know how to live your last days. Sounds depressing when I say it. So let me give you the purpose. Let me, let me start by making a couple of simple statements. Um, This is all introduction. We're not going to get into the meat of anything until next week. So for those of you that are waiting for the theology to come, like, we're going to give you some basics, but we're not going to go too far with it. The first time Jesus came to earth, the first time he came to earth, he came to earth as a baby. And he came to redeem mankind from their sins. The first time Jesus came to earth was to redeem mankind through the cross that he was gonna have to suffer. He came as a sinless lamb to pay the price for mankind's sins. He was a lamb of God who shed his blood for the sins of mankind. The first time he came was to redeem. The next time he comes is to remove the church. You want to argue with me, go ahead. But I'm just telling you, this is how it is. He came to redeem us. He's going to come to remove us. He will not touch the earth when he comes the second time. The first part of the second time, he will not touch the earth. He will meet us in the air. I'm going to make this so simple that the dumbest person on the planet could understand what's going to happen in the future. And I'm talking about me. I want to be able to understand this clearly. So first time he came was to redeem. Second time he's coming. Second time, the first part of the second time he's coming to remove. The last time Jesus comes to the earth, it'll begin to begin what's called the millennial kingdom. And that's going to be to rule. He came to redeem. He's coming to remove. And he's going to rule. It's that simple. John chapter 14, three says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. Acts 111, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus was taken up from you into heaven. will come back the same way you saw him go into heaven. The same way you saw him go, he's coming back. The last words of the the Bible, let me read it. I'm gonna read it out of my Bible because you can always find the last page. Well, maybe I can. Revelation 22. 22.20 says, He who testifies of these things says, Surely I am coming soon. He, Jesus is saying that. Surely I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Jesus said, last things he said in the, in the book of Revelation is, I'm coming soon. John said, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And may the grace of the Lord be with all. Amen. Amen. See, what I want to do is I want to teach you that we're not looking for an event. We're waiting for a person. His name is Jesus. The events will happen, but I'm not worried about the event. I'm concerned that Jesus will come back to remove us from this earth. And you will stay here. And have to experience everything that the the book of Revelation talks about. Jesus came to redeem mankind. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus came to meet us in the clouds. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Jesus will come to be the ruler of everything and every knee is going to bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But what confuses people is we're not clear on what's next. And so there's two critical phases to the second coming of Christ that I feel just needs to be clarified. We're going to talk about rapture next week in detail. I'm just going to give you just some basics. Two things are going to happen next. Because Jesus already came, right? Jesus came, started the church age of grace, where we can come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior while we're on this earth by just trusting Him, calling upon Him, receiving Him as our Savior. And He gives us grace for our sins. Don't make me preach hard. See, the second coming of Christ is not a singular event, and that's where we get confused. We think it's a singular event, and it's actually two different things that are happening. The first one is our rapture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16. Paul, And I just want you to understand, Paul was having to clarify confusion in the church of Thessalonica, and he made it perfectly clear this is what the rapture looks like. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and the voice of an archangel and with the sound of a trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so will we always be with the Lord. This is not deep and difficult. Paul made it very clear. He talked about where, and he talked about who, where the Lord's going to descend from heaven. The Lord's going to descend from heaven. Those who are dead in Christ will rise from the earth. They'll be getting some new bodies. After you've been in the grave for a little while, I mean, no, I won't say that. And then we'll be caught up together. So, where? He'll descend from heaven. The dead in Christ will rise. And then those of us who are in Christ and who are alive and remain will leave this place and go to be with Him. That's the rapture. But what's important also is the who. The Lord Himself will descend, the Savior Himself will descend. He will leave heaven to come back to take us away. Then the dead in Christ will rise. Those of your loved ones who knew Christ as their Savior, who who have died, gone before you, will get new bodies. In the air. Don't ask me how it's going to work. I don't know. And the third who is the church, the live in the church. See not everyone's going to leave when he comes back to rapture the church. Only the saved will be raptured. 1 Thessalonians 1:10 says to wait for the son of, uh, to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. See the rapture happens at a time before the wrath happens. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're going to experience the wrath of God. I don't have to experience the wrath of God because I'm planning on being out of here. He's going to come, descend from heaven in the rapture. He's going to take the dead in Christ first. They're going to get new bodies. We get to go. I hope I still get a new body. (laughs) Because mine's really messed up. (laughs) But we'll be with the Lord forever then. That's what the rapture is. And only God knows when the rapture is going to happen. The rapture could happen at any point in time. The rapture could happen in the next five minutes. The rapture could happen in the next 20 minutes. The rapture could happen in the next hour. No man knows the day or the time. So the rapture of the church, what's important is there's signs we know of the second half of the second coming, but there's, we don't know the signs of the first, the rapture, because it says you don't know. You won't know when it's going to happen. See the only signs in the Bible that speak of signs are speaking of the second half of the second coming. Which we'll talk about in detail next week. But there's a second part of the second coming. The first one is the rapture. He's going to come take the church. We're out of here. See you later. If there's nobody in the plat- on, on the platform next Sunday, it's all yours. <laughs> I'm gone. I'm not coming in to be pulpit supply. Don't plan on preaching another sermon because I'm going to be with the word himself. And I can't improve on the word. Which most of you say, of course you can. But I want you to see his return. Because that's the second half of the second coming. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11 says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one who was sitting on it is called Faithful and True. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name which he has called is the word of God. John chapter 1 talks about the word coming to earth, becoming flesh. That's Jesus. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, linen and white and pure and were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with the which to strike down the nations and he will rule over them with a rod of iron. And he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty, the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's his return. That's, he will come back and touch earth the second time. That's the second half of the second coming. The first time he's going to come in the clouds, he's going to take the church with him. Approximately seven years later, after the great tribulation, he's going to come back and he's going to begin the millennial kingdom. Where for a thousand years, he's going to rule and reign over the earth. He will not touch the earth the first time, but he will touch the earth the second time. And he's going to reign for, th- reign for a th- rule for a thousand years. And it's going to be a forced rule. Because people will have to surrender unto him. At the end of that thousand years, we're going to study here in the next few weeks. At the end of that thousand years, Jesus is going to, because Satan is going to be put in a pit for a thousand years. He's going to let him go. And then Jesus is going to destroy him. And he's going to be cast into the lake of fire where he'll spend eternity in that horrible place. That's the first part and the second part of the second coming. The first part has no signs. The second coming, we can know it's close because of the signs for the second coming. The second half of the second coming. So let me tell you why I believe it's here. The signs that I believe for the, Return of Christ is the second return of Christ where he doesn't, where he touches the earth. I don't want to get too confused here. There's some things that we need to see that are going on in our world. So let me just share these things. According to scripture, Israel will be returned to their God given homeland. We know maybe not when the rapture is going to happen, but we know when the return is going to happen because of the, the fact that Israel will be restored to their God given land. Ezekiel chapter 37 and verse 12 says, and it's speaking of the Valley of Dry Bones, if you know the story. He says, therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from the graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and shall raise you from your graves, O my people, and I'll put my spirit within you and you shall live and I'll place you in your own land and you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, I will do it, declares the Lord. Israel Prior to 1948, was scattered all over the world, was as a nation dead. There was just a history of war. They represented death. In May 14th, 1948, Israel became a people who was previously scattered all over the globe, were sent back by God to their given homeland. I don't care what you're watching on the news or what you're hearing from politicians. But there was a point in time where God says, I'm going to bring my people back to this land in 1948. And he put them back in that that place called Israel. That, That is God's property. That's God's place. It belongs to him. And he put them back where he wanted them to be. God has resurrected Israel as a people who are dead, but now are very much alive. Prior to this, prophetic teaching could not predict the timing of the second coming. So they didn't know because Israel wasn't gathered back together, they didn't know when it was going to happen. But now that Israel's gathered back together in 1948, they know. Now, just recently, because of what's going on in Israel, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but recently, because of the war that's going on, people, Jewish people all over the world are leaving their homelands that they out of Israel, and they're going back to Israel. Every time there's a major war in Israel, people, the Jewish people always gather back together. And God said, before the rapture happens, before the, before the second coming happens, Israel will be gathered back together. Second thing I want you to know that's got to happen. Faithful belief will be abandoned as apostasy rises. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus and our being gathered together with him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by spirit or by a spoken word or a letter that seems to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, which we'll get into the man of lawlessness and the son of destruction later. But I want you to focus on what it says, unless the rebellion comes first. Now, some versions say a great falling away. It's called apostasy. Apostasy. Apostasy is to formally disassociate or disaffiliate or abandon the faith that you once had. In American language, it's called deconstruction. Where somebody used to believe this about God and believe this about Jesus. And now they no longer believe that anymore. They've torn down the truth that they believed and replaced it with something that they believe seems right. It's called the great falling away. Believers becoming less faithful to the faith, especially in church attendance. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let us not forsake the assembly of ourselves together as a manner of some Whoops, that's 25. You're just gonna get 25 because that's the only one I can think of right now. No, no, I can't even think of that. So you're gonna have to wait for me to get in the Bible. Hang on. Come on, here we go. Are you all okay? I'm not even at the preaching yet. This is all introduction. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering for that he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up into love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as a habit is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day drawing near. We should be more faithful, not less faithful. But what's happening in Christianity is Christians are being less faithful, not more faithful than they've ever been before. A pastor 25 years, I, I've, I've watched how people view God. And how now people are being less faithful than ever before. It has been said that being in church every six weeks is is Normal. And we see the day approaching, we see the end coming, we see the rapture is about to happen, and yet people are being less faithful, not more faithful. Okay. Now I just messed up all my pages. the church will be viewed as a negative in Christians' lives. Never before has the church been viewed so negatively by people who claim to be believers in Jesus Christ. She is the bride of Christ. She is the bride of Christ. If you, don't, if you say that you like me, but you don't like my wife, you got a problem with me. Because I love my wife. I've given my life to live for my wife. This woman has given her life for me. So if you got a problem with her, you got a problem with me. You got a problem with the church, you got a problem with Jesus. I don't think Jesus can be your savior if you got a problem with his bride. I'll be that strong in that. I think that's apostate to say that you 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 love Jesus but you don't love the church. Uh uh-uh. uh. Can't do it. Impossible. You're lying. Oh, that was fun. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, but that doesn't stop many from trying to tear down the structure of the church or the importance of the church in people's lives. Remember when you first got saved, how important the church was to you, and now all of a sudden it's not as important as it used to be? That's apostasy. And you know what we do then? We blame the church for why we don't want to go to church. You sit around in a circle and you badmouth the church for all of the problems. Of course she's messed up. She's full of us. Look at who you got to be your pastor. Train wreck. What do you expect? Perfection? That's why I need Jesus. That's why I asked him to save me, to forgive me of my sins, because I have a problem with sin and I needed to be saved. And now I'm surrounded by a bunch of people that were sinners too. And we're trying to figure out how to do life together, how to like each other, how to love one another. And half of us don't even like ourselves. Before he returns, the church will be torn down. And it won't be her fault. It won't be her fault. Third thing that's going to happen, the world will groan and people will die. Romans chapter 8 verse 22 says, we know that Whole creation groans together in the pains of childbirth until now. Matthew chapter 24, verse 7 says, The nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And these are but the beginning of birth pains. Now, I never had a baby. (laughs) You laugh. I'm not one of those that believes it because if I was born a man, I'm going to be a man. You'll never see me give birth, but I've been told that when birth pain start, it hurts a little bit, just a little. And then it gets progressively more intense. Is intense a good word ladies? Gets a little more intense. And then you get to a point to where you're hating your husband and you're saying things you should not say to him that are not right. It wasn't his fault. Well, it, partially. But it got more and more, and it got to the point, and all you ladies I know, except for you perfect women, you all got to the point to where you thought you were going to die. If that little thing did not get out of you fast, you were going to die. That's what God's talking about. The world will groan and people will die. Earthquakes, disease, death is happening in an alarming rate. During COVID, 0.006% of the world's population died. And we freaked out. According to the book of Revelation, during the last three and a half years of the tribulation period, upwards to 5 billion people will die. So many people will die that we will not be able to bury them fast enough. You say, I don't believe that. I'm sorry. That's what the scripture teaches. We'll get to there at some point. You're going to have to come back to hear more. Could you imagine two-thirds of the earth being dead in three and a half years? All of us would know somebody or not several, not not just know several. That's what's going to happen before. The return of Christ. Acceptable sin will increase. Matthew chapter 24 verse 10. And many shall fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will wax cold. Now he's talking about believers, not non-believers. But acceptable sin amongst believers will will increase. And I thought about what used to be tattooed. What used to be taboo will now be tolerated. I don't care about tattoos. <laughs> what used to be taboo will now be tolerated. Even the truth. Disassociated Christianity will become a truth now. We'll say we don't need the the church. All I need is Jesus. You can't have Jesus without the church. I don't believe so. Disassociated Christianity It's almost a badge of honor to say, yeah, I used to go to church, but they were mean. Because we expected you to actually live like a Christian. We're so mean. Premarital sex. It amazes me how young Christian people believe it's okay to have sex outside of marriage. With multiple people. And it's okay because you got to figure out whether you really want to be with this person or not. And sex is the the deciding factor. That's what you say. I can think, I can count on one hand the number of couples that I've married in the last 25 years that have been virgins when they got married. And that one hand has three fingers that have to go down, so it's only left with two. And y'all think it's Okay. Even though God's word says it's not. It's just acceptable now. Abortion as birth control is okay. And for those of you that want to beat your drum about abortion, God's word tells us that we're supposed to be fruitful and multiply on the earth. We're supposed to be having lots of babies. Amen. (laughs) Right? Right? And yet, how many people, Christian people, are okay with birth control? I'm not going to get into this. I'm just saying that it's acceptable now for Christians to have birth control and not have more babies. I'm going to sit down. Is it not acceptable now to, to... Is it not acceptable now to get a vasectomy so that you don't have more babies? Even though God's word tells us to be fruitful and multiply? Say, now you're sounding cultish. No, I'm telling you what the Bible says and what we've done with what the Bible says. Self-determined sexuality. The church is thinking it's okay to have self-determined sexuality. I don't feel like I'm a boy. And so because you don't feel like you are one, you say that you're not one. And that's your feelings, dude. And those feelings are gonna change. God, you're all uncomfortable. You're making me nervous. <laughs> I read an article the other day where, or actually I watched a video, of a church in England that has a trans closet. And so the trans closet is for teenagers who can't act trans at home. So they go to the church and get dressed in trans clothing because they can't do it at home. I'm not going to get into this. I'm talking about the church being the problem. We're not promoting what the scripture says where God says he made male and female. Not male or female. He made male and female. Some of you are male. Some of you are female. Amen. Amen. And I'm not saying that you go get upset at people that are struggling with that. I'm saying when we start saying it's right, we're saying the word of God's not. And when that begins to happen, when this starts happening, we know that Jesus is about to come back. No longer is the word of God the line we don't cross. We cross the line of the word of God all the time. We know what it says about specific things, but we say, ah, yeah, I don't believe that. Just because you don't believe it doesn't mean it's biblically true. It just means you're adjusting your faith based upon how comfortable you are with what it says. And the love of many grows cold. Love's just not the same as it used to be. I, I watched young couples, I, I listen... I love my wife with all of my heart. We, she, I sent her off to do, spend some time with God. And I was so jealous of God getting to spend time with her. And I didn't get to. Because I love that woman. With all of my heart. There's Jesus and there's Deborah. And they're pretty close. And then there's some of y'all. It's a joke. Kind of. but love's growing cold. The love for God is growing cold. The love of Jesus is growing cold. The love of the church is growing cold. The love towards broken people are growing cold. There are statements that we will make that are negative towards people just because they're going through something difficult. We say we love people, but we don't act like we do. Real quick, the world will be interconnected with everything being global. Global. Let's go to Revelation thirteen seventeen for time. See that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. There's gonna come a point in time where the government will be global. Governments are starting to work together like they've never worked together before. There'll be a, an end time global religion. I hear this all the time from people who claim to be Christians who say, why aren't churches working together? Because they're fine by themselves. We're not the same ministry as they are. Well, our, why aren't we working together? We don't need to work together. They're fine. But unity is what's being said we need to have. And you know what's funny about that? As I watch unity in churches, churches can't even be unified within themselves, let alone be unified with other churches. You can't even be unified in your own marriage. Amen? And you're trying to get us to unify. Be a a global economy. You know, the internet makes it easy for me to buy something somewhere far away from Oregon. I can buy something all over the world. And the sixth thing that I have down here is to have an easier life, people will will accept global identification under the guise of unity and financial security. No one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. I heard it said by a preacher as I was preparing for this that he believes that in America, 50% right now, 50% of Americans will... Will, be, will have no problem with a global identification if it makes life more convenient and their finances more safe. You will be fine with, an, with a, a global identification card that has all of your information on it as long as it's safe. But you won't be able to buy anything unless they let you buy something. And now we're thinking, that's a good idea. That's a good deal. I don't need somebody from Africa stealing all my money. This is not a full accounting of scripture. There's a bunch we're going to be dealing with in the next few weeks. But the second coming is Jesus is going to come to take us up in the air. We're going to be gone real soon. And then he's going to come back and rule for a thousand years, and then the end is going to—the ha- real end is going to happen. But in the meantime of that period between the rapture and his touching down on earth again, is going to be a time the scripture says that you're better off not to be a part of. So I'm just giving you just a taste of what's coming so you can decide whether you'll come back or not. But it's, he's coming. He's coming. And you want to know why I did this today? Because if Jesus were to come in the air to receive his bride the church are you absolutely certain you would not be left behind because I'm not going to teach on this subject to find out that he comes back and half of you are still here I thought about that this morning this morning I was listening to the children in the the, uh, building and I thought to myself are we going to leave them behind Are we going to have a, a teen ministry that's going to actually be the ministry because it's only the teens who are going to be left behind? I mean, are we going to be, are we okay with that? I mean, if you teenagers want to play pastor, go ahead, but I won't be here to help you. Can you without a doubt say if you died today, you know for sure that because of what Jesus did for you by paying for your sins on the cross and you surrendering your life to him, that you would be in heaven with him. Because if Jesus comes back, if he comes back and we don't know when the first part of that second coming is, if he comes back and takes us away, we're going to be gone. I won't be here. Jesus is my savior He died to pay for my sins. I called upon him and asked me to forgive me of my sins. I trusted him to be my savior. He is my savior. If he comes back, I'm gone. You can have my truck. My Harley. Fight my brother for it. It's his actually. If your life were to end on this earth in the next 10 minutes, would you spend the rest of eternity with Jesus in heaven or would you have to finish out your days in this horrible place? What's coming? You don't want to experience. See, it doesn't do me any good to teach you what is going to happen if you're not going to trust Christ as your savior, then you're just going to experience it. So you might as well just experience it without being born again. But see, that's where I really struggle. And if, if you know me at all, that's the one thing that I have a problem with it's people not knowing Jesus Christ as their savior. I don't care how much of the Bible you know. If you don't know Jesus, it doesn't matter. If you're going to spend your life here on the earth in these end times that are going to be horrible times, then I'm not going to waste your time. If your life were to end here on this earth, would you be with Jesus? Well, pastor, I want to know more about the plagues. We're going to talk about them. I'm just telling you from this point on, from the rapture, up until the rapture happens, you want to be gone. You don't want to be here. You want your family to be gone. You don't want your kids and your grandkids and your neighbors and your co-workers and your friends. You don't want them to be here. We'll talk about that over the next few weeks. To give you an idea of why the early believers struggled with the end times. Because they were concerned that they were going to leave some people behind. And Thessalonica was concerned that they got left behind and it freaked them out. Someone might say, well, how do we know he hasn't come back? Because I'm still here. (laughs) And those of you who know Christ is your savior, you're still here. Somebody said, well, why don't you just tell us who the name of the Antichrist is? You won't know the name of the Antichrist. You'll be raptured first. If you know the name of the Antichrist, you've missed it. You're still here. You can figure out his first name. I don't really care. I'm not going to be here and I don't want you here either. So so let's stand. Oh Lord, I do not know what's going to happen here. I think I just I just don't know. Gracious heavenly father, Lord, we love you. It's so simple to know that you've promised to come back. And there's two phases of that return, father. One is to remove the church from this earth. And the second one is to return, rule and reign, get victory over the devil. And then we're going to live, so shall we ever be with you. I don't know the hearts of everybody in this room. I'm concerned about teenagers. I just have this concern about teenagers for some reason this morning. How they could be raised in church and not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I don't want to leave a teenager behind. I don't want this to be a teen ministry, Father, when I'm gone. So the teenagers are the only ones that show up. I want them to know Christ as their savior. Because I don't want them to experience the hell they're going to have to go through on this earth. When you've promised us a way out and it's through Jesus Christ so that when the rapture happens we go together in the clouds. Father please help me with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're in this room and you're not positive who Jesus Christ is, if you're not positive, he's your savior. But you know that you've sinned against God in some way, shape or form. And you know because of that sin, it's gonna separate you from God. And you know that in your heart. And you want your sins to be forgiven by Jesus Christ. With heads bowed and eyes closed. I want you to pray a prayer with me. Now my prayer, I'm just helping you along the way. But it's got to come from your heart. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans chapter 10. I'm not leaving it. Because if Jesus comes back in the rapture. And takes us off. You're going to be without us next week. To guide you in this path. So I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. And I I, I don't do this very often, but I feel compelled to today. You pray this between you and God. And I promise you, he will hear you. And if you call upon him, he'll forgive you of your sin. So that you can know when he comes back, you're going to go with us. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Pray with me. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I admit it. But I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die at the cross for me. This very moment, I open my heart to your son, Jesus. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I believe you died to pay for my sin. And your blood was shed as payment for my sin that gives gives me the hope of forgiveness. I take you at this very moment as my Lord and Savior. I'm trusting in nothing and no one but you, Jesus, for the forgiveness of my sin. Thank you, God, for hearing my prayer forgiving me of my sin and bringing me into your forever family. Help me to live for you with the days I have left. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Please, out of respect. Bible says, whosoever believes in him should not be ashamed. If you just trusted Christ to be your savior and asked him to forgive you your sins and you know that he's done that because you trust what the word of God says. If you just called upon Jesus to save you, sins are forgiven, rapture happens, you're going with us. If you just prayed that prayer and you meant it, raise your hand for me. Amen, 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 amen. amen. Now here's the hard part. This is the hard part. I want you to come stand up front. Don't be ashamed. If Jesus is your savior, we're going to rejoice over you. We're not going to rebuke you or scare you. This should not freak you out. Jesus Christ gave his life for you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. You just asked Jesus to save you. Come on. Your sins are forgiven. He's coming back. You're going with us. Come on, church. We got some extra people to take along with us. Amen. <laughs> okay, now here's the thing. Did you ask Jesus to save you? Yes, sir. Did you ask Jesus to save you? Did you? Did you? Did you? Did you? Did you? Did you? Have you? Did you? Did look at these teenagers we got with us? Did you ask Jesus to save you? Did you ask Jesus to save you? Did you ask Jesus to save you? Is he a little shy? That's okay. That's okay. I don't blame you. Did you ask Jesus to save you? Jesus? Jesus? Is he your Savior? If you died today, where would you go? Where would you go? Heaven? Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. If you died today, you'd go to heaven because of what Jesus Christ did for you. You should have peace that passes all understanding and a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. You should be excited that he loves you this much. He loved you enough to give his life, as payment for your sin. And you called upon him and he saved you. You know what your next step is? Baptism. need to show the world you're not ashamed. We can do that next week. Do we have a tide? I don't care. We want, we want you to show the world that Jesus Christ is your Savior. And we, can, we can't see the spiritual transformation that happened in there when you prayed that prayer. But we want to see the physical transformation that happens when you say, I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. I've been buried in the likeness of his death. I've been raised to walk in the newness of life. Amen. Amen. Baptism does not save you. It will not send you to heaven. But it's a sign that you're that you believe it. I'm proud of you for standing up here because this is this is not normal. Nobody came to church today to think they were going to stand up front with me. Let's pray. While your heads about, eyes closed. I'm going to read one verse. Heads about, eyes closed. 1 John 3, 2 and 3. Beloved, we are God's children now. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, you became a child of God. So this scripture is talking to you. And what we will be has not yet been appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because when we sh- see him, we will see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Jesus is coming back. You're going to meet him in the air. Come on, you're going to meet him in the air. You're going to beat us here because you've got less baggage than we got. (laughs) You're a child of God now. You're beloved. Gracious heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to pray for this group this morning. It is through the work of the Holy Spirit that you've transformed their hearts from sinners to saints. That it is your spirit that cleansed them of the sin as they accepted Christ as their savior. The spirit of God came inside of them and just washed them clean. Applying the shed blood of Jesus to their hearts. And Father, now I know next week when I preach the next message in this series when I speak of the rapture it'll be a time of rejoicing because what was distant from you is now redeemed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ and their faith in you it is by grace are we saved through faith and that not of themselves it was the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast you just literally threw out gifts and they received them today help us help them Because there's still time. You haven't come back yet. I'm a little more excited than I was earlier this morning because I didn't know who was coming with us. But now I know who's coming with us. Father, encourage their hearts. Let them know they're loved. Let us help them know they're loved. Let us love them. Let them know they're part of our family now. I'm the weird uncle, (laughs) Father. The guy that just shows up and starts yelling crazy stuff but I will love them to the end. And I know this church will love them to the end. Encourage our hearts, Father, to celebrate with these that have come forward after trusting Christ as their Savior. And I just pray that you encourage them to take that next step of baptism. At the end of this service, Father, just encourage them to come and sign up. I'll get Joey or somebody up here and we'll just sign them up so next week they can come take that step of baptism because we want the world to know that these people are going with us. Yeah. They're not going to be left behind. Courage their hearts, Father, love them, and be with us as a church. Let us together go together. Let us bring our kids with us and our husbands with us and our wives with us. Let's make sure, Lord God, that when you come back for the rapture, that we all get out of this place. If it's the last thing we ever do, help us, Father. We love you so. In Jesus, we pray in all God's people's head. Amen. Amen. Let's give them a hand. You guys may be seated. You guys may be seated. Go ahead and grab your seats. We got a song we're going to sing. What are we going to sing? Oh, okay. Build my life. Oh, perfect. Let's, we got one more song to sing and then we'll go home. Thank you for coming today, by the way. Jesus is good, isn't he? This is Joey. Joey's one of our deacons. Joey says the tide is right next Sunday. So the time is right. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. If you've never taken that step of baptism, you just got saved, you never took that step of baptism, come and talk to Joey. And we'll sign you up for next week. Amen. We want the world to know that Jesus Christ is your Savior and you're not ashamed, amen? So let me pray one last time. Father, I feel so much better this morning than I felt during the week. Because I was honestly afraid of what would happen if you came back and raptured this church off this earth. Who would be left behind? You say that you're not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And I believe with that, believe with all my heart. I'm not going to pastor a church that's going to leave people behind. I want them to know Christ is their Savior. I want them to feel the forgiveness of, of, of their sins. I want them to have home planned in heaven because of what Jesus Christ did for them. Let them not be ashamed, Father. Holy Spirit, be, begin to work right now because I know that the devil's going to be talking to them, trying to discourage them, trying to cause them to doubt. But your spirit confirms whether they're born again or not. We look to you for that. Holy Spirit, help us. Encourage our hearts today. We love you. In Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. if you're ready for baptism next week, just come up and see Joy." And otherwise, God, guys, thanks for coming. God bless. Got any more questions, ask Pastor Mark. <laughs> Sign up for the